Welcome to Great Minds. And our guest today is a longtime friend. And I think the last couple of years, Richard, we've gotten a little closer even as our friend, as, you know, sort of like, I wouldn't quite call us fine wine. I agree. It's like those great lunches, that boozy lunches where like, you know, we we look like we're being professional, but we're not. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think that's why we like each other. So Richard's one of the most creative, interesting people who I've ever uh, had the pleasure of knowing and over time becoming friends with. He's graced our stage many times at Advertising Week, um, most memorably, I think, with uh, Venus Williams, another time in the virtual world with Trudy Styler. Um, and if we were to crown, and I know this wasn't your campaign, we have so many signature ones that are yours, but if we were to crown a most interesting man in the world equivalent, for the advertising business, Richard, it might be you. Uh, well, and you. it's a pleasure to have you. And, and I'm really excited to talk to you here and have you here on Great Minds. Well, it's so sweet. And I love those words. And you know what? It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I'm like, I'll take it. Oh, okay. my God. So let's go back to 1987. Yes. That was my first year working. I graduated from school in 86. You're a couple years older than me, just a few. Mm -hmm. And at the age of 26, you have the audacity to co-found an agency that goes on to create an incredible legacy. Tell us the origin story of Kirschenbaum Bond, because I don't know it. Yes, well, interestingly enough, um, <clears throat> I, graduated from Syracuse, the Newhouse School. And I, you know, I always worked for great people. I have to take a step back because, you know, I worked for this legendary woman who I adored. His name was Lois Corey. And Lois had an agency called Corey Kay, read about her in the Wall, the Wall Street Journal and sent her a comedy monologue. Now she had been a comedy writer for the show of shows and Woody Allen's writing partner. And so she loved, so I showed the comedy monologue to my mother, which had two endings and it was a little risque. And she said, you can't send a comedy monologue like this to a woman like that. Like, you know, cause she was, you know had one of those little cartoons in the Wall Street Journal. So I promptly went to the mailbox. I was at home on my parents. Those were like the days where you, there wasn't internet. So we, I mailed the letter and literally the next day, Lois called me and I ended up working there for her as her sort of like boy Friday. And then I ended up, going from there to work for Donnie Deutsch. You know, I was the first employee that um, that he had um, hired when he took over the agency from his dad, the late David Deutsch. And then I w went to work for this very, 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 you know, obscure writer, James Patterson, <laughs> who's now the number one writer in the United States. No, James was my creative director and he hired me at JWT and it was amazing. And then, and then in those days, I was living downtown on Mercer Street and I had um, gone to school with um, my um, former partner, John Bond's wife, Wendy, Syracuse, and she introduced us. And we started doing freelance work together. And then one day um, we, I did some work for, um, we had a number of small freelance accounts. And I remember um, we, concepted the first ad for Kenneth Cole and it was never it was really a, like an incredible moment and um, again getting into Kenneth's office was difficult and he was a young guy too and we were at the time um, 
you know, trying to make our way. So he said, I don't hire advertising or advertising people. And so we concepted this ad and the ad said, you know, it was around, it was a public events ad. In many ways, it was like the, the internet before the internet. And the ad said, um, um, I mean, it, 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 you know, it's, it's, really, it's, it's really interesting when I look back at it now, it was the Imelda Marcos ad, do you know what I'm saying? Um, do you know what I'm saying? Um, yes, yeah. And so it was ama it's amazing to me that he ran with that. And then one day I walked into Jay Walter Thompson, showed them, uh, no, my creative director actually came up to me and he said, why can't we do ads like this? And showed me my own ad, do you know what I'm saying? And so I said, you know, no, that we did that. And the next day we sort of opened the agency. I mean, that's sort of like, obviously not exactly like that, but that's sort of how it happened. And, um, um, you know, and, and the ad um, was, Amelda Marcos bought 2,700 pairs of shoes. She could have at least had the courtesy of buy a pair of ours. Do you know what I'm saying? It was signed by Kenneth Cole. So we did, you know, it was, it was in many ways mirrored what social media is today. Got a lot of, you know, where it, you know, it created a lot of controversy, a lot of likes, you know, in a certain sense, you know, before it's time. So um, it was, it was a breakthrough campaign. It never showed any product and, um, it was um, way ahead of its time. So we really launched the agency in many ways. And so, um, and it was a wonderful time to be doing that when agencies really still mattered and they, um, the advertising industry was at a, you know, it was still this, it was still very much like Mad Men, okay, in a way, you know, um, so. Fantastic. And Richard, I'm so glad you dialed back a little further because you mentioned some really, really incredible people who you work with and you were, I'm going to guess at that time, 22, 23, 24. So, you know, very young guy. You mentioned Donnie and his late father, David, uh, and you mentioned James Patterson. So you really worked at three tremendous places. I was actually very friendly with Alan Kay. Who was fantastic. I love that. Yeah, lo yeah, what a lovely guy. And uh, he was very prominent in the Koch administration. In every administration, there's always someone who's the favorite real estate guy, someone who's the favorite advertising man or woman. And in the Koch administration, Alan was always in City Hall. And he and I met uh, back then in the Koch administration. Lovely guy. He's still doing okay. And so talented. Yeah, I think so. I, um, you know, but I'll, I'll tell you something. Here's really what's interesting, I think, and I, as I look back, because, you know, I have these photos of crazy people. And so um, I kind of feel like in a way that I'm the advertising version of Zelig, do you know what I'm saying? I'm constantly with all these famous people all the time. And it wasn't something that I really sought out. Like, you know, I have, when I was 25 years old or 26 years old, I did this really famous campaign with Andy Warhol. And I have a great photo of, of Andy and I went down to the factory and did the whole thing. And, you know, and we did this campaign. It was at Donnie's place. And um, it was, it's just legendary. And, you know, the campaign went on to achieve a lot of amazing results. And, but, you know, when I look back right now, I was like, I mean, you know, I see my kids see this photo of me and Andy Warhol is one of the great artists of the 20th century. They're like, what? I don't understand how this happened. You know, it's really kind of funny. So it's always been like that with me and it continues to be like that. I mean, I'm, I sort of say that SWAT by Kirschenbaum, which is this company that I founded after I sold KMB, um, is in many ways, we work with the world's most interesting people. And then SWAT equity, we work, we invest with the world's most interesting clients. So 
Um, and it's all through word of mouth. We don't pitch. And, and what's so unique about you, and I'll say it a different way, is, you know, there's lots of folks who perform at a really high level. But to perform at a really high level and to do it with such charisma, because I, what I'm telling you, Richard, as your friend, you're saying I'm in photos with all these famous people. I think a lot of those famous people are saying I'm in photos with Richard Kirshenbaum. And, you, and to achieve that level of earned you know, fame by performance and by creativity and by you know, being unafraid, that's very unique to you. Well, thank you. And I appreciate that. And I've really worked really hard. It's something that I actually tell my children. Um, you know, I, I had a client and who's one of the most world's most interesting and also well-known women, Phyllis George, who was the first female sports sure. guest in America, first lady of Kentucky. And I'll never forget, she said to me, you know, that she and was a worker bee. And, and you know, and Phyllis was just incredible. And she had a family, she, you know, Pamela Brown is her daughter actually on, on CNN, who looks just like her, stunning. And Phyllis was one of those women who just had a work ethic, you know, and I tell my children to this very day, you know, who are going into the workforce, I'm like the Kirshenbaums, we, we're worker bees. We don't, you know, sit back. We, you know, we earn our living. We have to do it every day. And, you know, you just have to find something you love to do. So you talked about just great stuff. So you talked about sort of doing campaigns that, you know, had that aura of social media long before there was social media. Mm -hmm. You also earned a, a reputation early in an area that people don't really use or talk about anymore, but the age of guerrilla marketing. Mm -hmm. And that was a, one of the many hallmarks of the agency. Talk about that era and that you grew this thing to be the largest independent agency in a very short period of time. That's an incredible achievement. Yeah, I mean, I think that we really, it was just a moment in time. And I think it was sort of the, we were the bridge between the mad men guys, the older guys in the business who, and, and some women who broke the mold, who I thought were truly iconic and who I adore to this day. And a new generation of digital marketing and people from a, you know, from a technology standpoint. So, but we, we really always thought differently. We really um, pushed the envelope. We, when we say we created guerrilla marketing, I think in many ways, many of it really, um, many of the original ideas really did come from us and from people at the agency. I mean, uh, you know, um, we were the first agency to do street stenciling um, for a company called Bamboo Lingerie. And it, all it said on the street was from here, it looks like you could use some new underwear. <laughs> and it was a stencil on the street. And the difference between when other people copied us, they just didn't do it the right way. We used washable paint. They didn't, and they got arrested. <laughs> so, you know, or we were the first company to do, you know, um, put stickers on fruit. We launched a flavor for Snapple called Mango Madness, and we um, stickered, you know, thousands and thousands of mangoes, and it said now available in Snapple, with that little like Chiquita banana kind of like sticker that went on the mangoes. I mean, we always did stuff like that. And I still think innovation is one of the more interesting things, you know, constantly trying to always push to get better. And I'm so proud of the work we're doing currently now, which I think is also very breakthrough. I mean, we are now in product, you know, we invent products, we reinvent products. 
And um, I think we are, I think now is really the most interesting time in my career because we have a much larger palette to paint on. Do you know what I'm saying? Now you can use social media, you can use digital. I've never been stuck in the past, you know? Like I don't look back, I'm not a person who looks back. I don't, a lot of people say, why don't you go to KB reunions? We never see you there. I don't go to reunions because part of, and I don't go to any reunion, it's not just that. I don't go to my high school reunion, I don't go to college reunions, I don't go to reunions. And people always say, why aren't you, I don't know. I said, because I'm really more interested in the present and the future. I'm not interested in rehashing the past, you know? There'll be a time for that, but that time's not now. So let's go to the present. That's a great segue. Um, SWAT is now more than 10 years old. Yeah, around that, yeah, sure, yeah. Incredible body of work. Talk about the origin there, go back to the beginning. Now you've got so many incredible clients all over the world, but I imagine the start was more modest, even for someone like you. Yes, I think that, you know, um, when we sold the agency um, in the last two years, I was chairman. I felt I was too young to leave the advertising business and I had a young family and I just didn't think it would be good for me to show them that dad was, you know, doing whatever people do when they retire or something. And, it's, and that's not a word that I even believe in, you know? So, um, so I, I thought, what, what could I do next? And truthfully, okay, which is, which is really kind of a heartbreaking, but wonderful story. Um, it was the last year of our earnout, and we were handling, you know, I always handled a lot of a large part of the cow business, KAO, which was Jurgens, um, uh, Curel, John Frieda, Jer you know, uh, Biori band. And, and I would fly to Ohio quite, quite a lot. And we had gotten the Wendy's business at that time. And I was flying, and I just was, you know, handling these mammoth accounts. You know, it was so successful for the agency. And my father had been diagnosed with cancer. And he was unfortunately, I was visiting, he was very close to my father. He was a wonderful man. And I and he was ahead of his time. So I went to the hospital, you know, in sort of the last days and I looked at him and he looked at me and he said, you, you know, the agency's grown, you've sold it. You know, he said, are you, he just knew, he said to me, are you really enjoying yourself now? You seem to be so much happier in the earlier days. And I said, yeah, I think that's true, you know? And um, he said, you know, go back to do something you don't, now that you know you've done something that you could, you know, that you've done something large. Because at the time, I think we had 600 employees and three offices. Um, I, I, he said, go back to do what you love to do. He said, and what you love to do is you love to get involved with the creative process, not be so much of a manager. He, he said, he said, you love to start businesses. You love to work with the client clients. He said, he said, you're great at that. He said, you know, he said, never lose that, he said. And so it was such an epiphany. And so I decided to start SWAT. And it's really in honor of my dad that I did that. Um, and which is now called SWAT by Kirschenbaum because I bought back my name, which was really sort of funny also, you know. And he told me, uh, he when he was in the hospital, he said to me, you'll see. He said, you'll buy back your name. And he said, you know, because when you're, he said, when agencies, when holding companies sometimes buy agencies, he said, and the founders leave, he said, it's very hard sometimes for them to continue the growth. He said that, he said, I, he said, I predict you'll buy your name back. 
<laughs> so, and so we did that. It was amazing. And so he was a futurist, you know, and so we did. And I started this agency based on what if we could do only what we wanted to do and, and really sort of eradicate some of, or skim off the things that we really, that I really didn't love about the business. Cause I love most of the business, but there are certain things I don't love about the business. I didn't really love pitching. I didn't really love, you know, giving away free ideas. I didn't really love making companies successful and not getting equity. I didn't really love um, the, um, the high overhead. So when I created SWAT, I created an agency that was small, like a David versus Goliath um, new type of company. It's not even an agency. It's really many ways, much more than that. It's somewhere, it's a branding company, it's a consultancy, it's a new product development company. It's so many more things, right? And we, to, to create a low overhead, high quality solution and from the ground up, and we've done that and it's been brilliant and so successful. And we've attracted the world's, some of the world's most famous and most successful clients. And it's all by word of mouth, which is what I am so proud of. It's incredible. And you touched on three of the different sort of verticals, if you will, to use a, an overused word uh, that you're doing business in, but, but this is a real freight train that you've built here. Yes. And I didn't take, I didn't want partners, private equity, VCs, angel investors. So I built it from the ground up with my own funds and put my money where my mouth was and um, built it small. And, you know, I mean, I remember my first office was on Spring Street and I remember we didn't have a conference room. So I used to go near where, so I, I used, so, so there was an area where the garbage was. Now this is after having a huge office and secretaries and the whole thing. And I just say, come with me to my private office. And it was like next to the garbage can. And people, people would like me, what? I'm like, I, and it was hilarious. I, I mean, to me, it was sort of like, this was what I wanted to do again and build it from the very beginning. And I'd not have any ego as it related to it. And I didn't need a really big office and I didn't need, I had that already. It wasn't, didn't do anything for me. Do you know what I'm saying? There was nothing that about it, that, that, that anything like that gave me any sort of buzz at this point. So, you know, I'd say, come with me to my private office. <laughs> We'd stand there next to the garbage. <laughs> People would laugh. They'd be like, I can't believe this is going on. Of course, now I, I mean, we have a small office and it's lovely. And, you know, I'm sort of now with the in Zoom, you could pretty much do things everywhere and we have clients all around the world, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I, did, yeah. I, I wasn't going to be, you know, I didn't want to be vested anymore in square footage. Yeah, well, it feels like in many ways you built a business that's built for the times versus uh, a model that was built at a time that was very different. Well, of course, and you know, something happened. I was, and it's hard not to get sucked back into doing things the old way. So this is true, this is crazy story. So we were growing and right before the pandemic, everybody wanted, there was another big large space that came up available in our building. It was really beautiful. And I said, sure, why don't we, you know, of course I, you know, we need more space. And, and I had gotten another space on the same floor because we could, didn't have contiguous space. So I said, so everybody wanted to be together. I said, sure, let's go try to get one big space. So, you know, went back in, looked at the space, it was beautiful, overlooked like, you know, amazing view, the whole thing. And so what was really amazing was that I literally woke up and I, and then, and then I, the landlord 
was being somewhat difficult. They weren't getting back to me. It was, they wanted a seven year deal, whatever. And it was right before the pandemic. And I literally woke up in a cold sweat and said, I'm doing this again. No, 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 no. So I walked into the office the next day and that was before Zoom. And I said to everybody, listen, I said, I just had a change of heart. SWAT's not built on office space. In fact, one of the principles of SWAT was that I thought real estate was gonna put the advertising business out of business. Because if you think about it, you know, with all these, um, you know, agency of record accounts going away and fractionalized accounts, you know, and people have, what do they have? They have huge amount of space they have escalations. And if they lose a piece of business, they can't fill the space and nor can they pay the rent. So I said, I'm not going to do that. I don't want a high overhead. I want low overhead is, is one of the principles of SWAT. So I said, we're gonna paint, we're gonna redecorate. And, you know, and everybody was a little bit disappointed, I think. I said, no, no, no. Literally a month later, COVID happened and like we, you know, it was one of the best things that ever happened to us that we didn't take that 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 extra space. And, you know, I'd say that um, it really proved my model in many ways. Absolutely. So you've got now a real body of work more than 10 years into it. Yes. Um, we met uh, in your with your new hat on. I think it was when you did Venus Williams relatively early on. Yes, but let's go back to something that you mentioned because I think it's such an interesting thing that you touched on, and that's that you bought your name back. Yes, I'd love to get your take on, you know, what that means to you because it must mean a whole lot. But also, what it must have been like—a very foreign sensation for most of us—that years after you had left the agency, there's another building and a whole bunch of people working in a place called Kirschenbaum. That's got to be a very odd feeling in many ways. It was. And it was something that I had to get used to. And it was a little strange. And Kirschenbaum, as though, even though it's a, like a long, clunky name, do you know what I'm saying? Isn't Smith. <laughs> so, like, it's hard to, like, you know, so people recognize the name and they know the name. And it's sort of a little bit strange. But so, you know, I'm sort of watching. Um, the biopic on Halston when he sold his name, thinking like, you know, no, you really can't use your name in the business that you kind of grew up in. And it's a little strange. Um, and so, you know, when, um, and, and a shout out to the wonderful David Weiner, who is, for those in the industry who, you know, know that the ultimate deal meister is David Weiner, do you know what I'm saying? And the great accountant, you know, and also deal, uh, you know, man, um, he, you know, I called him and he called me and we were talking about it and it was just the right time. And it just seemed that, um, you know, as, you know, they were combining agencies and everything like that, it was the right time for me to do that. And David helped me with that. And as my consigliere, I do love him as a consigliere and I don't run everything by him, but it was at first, it was like, what do I do with it? Like, I don't know, should, you know, would it be something that's good for my kids? Is it something that I would wanna put on the agency? And I didn't want also my younger partners to feel that I was coming in and shoehorning it in there. Like I, like they were the ones who said, no, we should use it. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, so I, I really didn't want to force it upon people. I thought it, but it happened organically that way. And so, um, and, and someone said to me, one of my younger people, my younger partners, who's very bright, who's lovely said, you know, Richard, you know, you spent 
many years building goodwill with your name. And, you know, and my father said to me, and I always quote him, he said, you know, the only thing that you have at the end of your life is, you know, is a good name. Like either you have a good name or you don't have a good name, which yeah. I'm saying. And, you know, so, um, you know, and so I decided hopefully, you know, um, you know, it carries goodwill with it. So we've been using that. And the fact that in the 10 years we've not done one pitch, it's all by recommendation. Either people see the work, either people make an introduction or people call me. And um, it's so gratifying, especially when the people are people you really respect, you know, in terms of what they've done. Well, what I love about, about the whole SWAT story is that hearing you today, here we are, you know, well underway in 2022, your enthusiasm and passion for what you're building and the work you're doing, you know, for your other clients and partners, products you're developing, um, is as high today as it's ever been. Well, I think it's higher. I think the thing is that's really true is like I always say, you know, vacationing for me is is just working in a nicer location. And I think that, you know, my sense on this is that I I really, really love what I do. And I really think that when you after when you like, I guess, you know you can do something for 10 years and then 20 years and now it's been 30 years. It's like, you know, hopefully you become a master in what you do, right? And so I, there have been times when I'm working with, you know, you know, you know, somebody and it's like the, the, almost the way that it is, is that like, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm not gonna tell you how to, you know, again, play basketball or, golf or whatever it is, you know, you know, at the same time, I know, I think people respect me enough to know that if I recommend something to them at this point, and I say it, that they, that I, that I'm a master enough in what I've done. And, and I look at it through a lens of trying to protect my clients as well as innovate for them at the same time. And there are many times where I have to tell people the truth. And I say, I know this is not necessarily something you want to hear, but I just, it's, it's incumbent upon me as your marketing partner to tell you. And and I would say 90% of the people we work with really appreciate it. Not everybody is as comfortable with that though. I hear what you're saying. It's almost like at a certain point, you hit a gear. Right. And not that we don't make mistakes, right? None of us are infallible, but you know, you know what you're doing. And I find there's a lot of comfort, you know, that if you're lucky enough to, hit that gear and, and you've, you've had, you've been in that gear and shifting even higher for a long time. Yeah. I also think when you have success in, uh, you know, for example, I remember when I started writing aside from the advertising business, I had a column in the observer and I've written many books and people would always say to me, like, are you leaving the advertising business? And I'd say, what are you talking about? They could not understand that you could do both and do it well. And what's really interesting is that you know, last year I wrote a novel, two years ago I wrote a novel and the great Wendy Feinerman, who um, is one of the most important um, people in Hollywood, you know, she won the Academy Award for Best Picture for Forrest Gump and Devil Wears Prada. She optioned the book and, you know, sold it to Sony and they're in the process of, you know, making it into, you know, a TV show, which just takes a certain amount of time. And, you know, but the fact that I've, I'm a novelist and a writer so I'm saying has only brought more depth of richness um, and layering to the work that I do with my clients. And I think that, you know, so if I present a manifesto or, or I write a campaign idea or something, you know, 
And again, I don't have any ego. They choose something else, but there is something that I think that they, they, there's a certain level of gravitas that comes with people who work with you, who know, you know what Richard knows what he, like if there's a certain point where if I make a recommendation, um, people want to know what I think. And I think that, you know, and that it's been successful before. And so therefore, you know, they do trust me on that. Yeah, as well they should. So can we talk about one of my, uh, I have a, a, a not so hidden favorite project, sure. client, product that you co-created, which you know well of, because I always talk about it with you and torture you, I think, a little bit every time because I'm so passionate about it. And that's your partnership with Chris Blackwell and Blackwell Rum, which I think is just the greatest. Thank you. And, you know, I would, I would tell you that, first of all, I love certain, you know, I love great people and I'm lucky enough to have people that I've had mentor me and hopefully I've been, I'm starting to mentor people now, you know, as well. And so many years ago, my, you know, my brother, my best friend, who's not really my brother, but one of my best friends who was president of Geffen Records at the time, got married at GoldenEye and um, was close with Chris because of the music business. And I met him um, down at, um, in Jamaica and uh, we got to be friends. It was one of those things where we just had a connection and, you know, I think Chris was, you know, talk about the world's most interesting people. I mean, he's really, he's, I mean, I think they made the campaign about him, you know, and so he's just so fascinating. And so, um, as you know, Jamaica's native son is the person who founded Island Records and discovered Bob Marley and you too, you know. Um, and so Chris and has and the, one of the more low key, wonderful people with a great sense of humor. So we became friends, and you know, and I just looked at him and thought, how is it that this person, who is so well regarded in Jamaica, and has so many incredible assets there, and is such a living legend, okay? Um, and you know the Marley musical is coming out this year and um, doesn't have a brand. So, you know, over the next two years, I would just call him and see him repeatedly when I was in Jamaica. And I, my original idea was that we should do a coffee brand. So I called him up on the phone and he said, no, 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 man, I'm not really that interested in coffee, you know? And so then one day I was having drinks at Round Hill and the bartender there made me a drink um, with a like sort of a dark rum floater. And it was so delicious. And I, I thought to myself, that's it. So I called Chris immediately. And I said, how about we do a rum, Blackwell rum? And he said, of course. He said, you know, my, my grandfather used to own Ray and Nephew, which produces Appleton. I was meant to go in the rum business. Of course we should do it. And from there, you know, and then cut to all these years later. I mean, there you have it. And I have the 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 the, the original bottle which I designed here. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and yes. I will say that this year was so exciting because Dana and I went to Monaco to see the James Bond premiere that was hosted by the Princess Grace Foundation and um, the marvelous CEO Brisa Trinkero Carlton and. Um, Prince Albert in um, Monaco itself to see the movie. And um, as you know, um, Chris, um, who's friendly with the Broccoli's, did a deal 
uh, with them. And the, the rum is featured in the movie. And James Bond, Daniel Craig, um, drinks it in Jamaica. And um, we were able to do a, uh, a Blackwell bar uh, at the Casino de Paris and it was amazing. And so it was just, and we, you know, it was just, it was just like, it, not only to see the brand doing well, but to see the brand in a Bond movie. I mean, it was sort of like all your dreams come true. You know what I'm saying? So I can't say that it wasn't truly one of the more exciting moments, you know? And as you look back and I wanna wrap or start to wrap by looking ahead, but as you look back, what are some of the other favorite, you know, moments of the SWAT era? Um, I think so. I it's really hard to choose. It's more experiential. Um, one of them, both of them actually had, took place in Italy. One of them was going, uh, my dear friend and, 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 uh, and one of the brightest men, um, Steve and his incredibly smart and beautiful wife, Agatha, uh, the Lusos, um, we have a, an estate in um, Sicily and helping them with the original branding for um, Bona Fortuna and then Fortuna Skin, the packaging and things like that. And that was amazing to go to Sicily and Palermo and, and, to, and to really get involved in, you know, create, helping to create um, a wonderful, you know, these two wonderful brands for them, you know. And then, you know, of course, doing the, redoing the wines, you know, and packaging and helping to advise um, Sting and Trudy Styler um, at Il Palagio, which is their, their estate in Tuscany. So, you know, it's a long way from Cincinnati is what I'm gonna say. <laughs> sure it is, it sure is. And, and you mentioned, I was glad you mentioned the book and you've written a couple of books. Can we see more books coming in the future? Yes, I just finished a new book and it is, um, I just, it's being edited right now and will be sent out to, uh, to see who's gonna publish it. I'm, it's a very, you know, I'm really excited about it. Um, I, the problem I have is I don't like to talk about things. You know, there's, you know, this one thing about me, I don't talk about things I'm doing or going to do. I only talk about things I've done. So, but yes, I have a new novel and I'm really excited about it. I think it's very commercial in the way that like it could be made into a film or a movies or Netflix. I think it's like, that's what I mean. Fantastic. So just to wrap then Richard, you, you've always sort of been a step ahead. Um, and it's been a real hallmark of your career everywhere you've been. These are challenging times right now. You also do a great job of always seeming to be up. Mm -hmm. I've never seen you not up. Mm -hmm. How do you retain that optimism? And if there is anything that keeps you up at night, what might it be? Well, optimism is something, you know, I was born with, but something you have to work towards. Meaning that if you surround your, if you, I don't like to dwell on the negative, although I'm very sensitive to certain things. Um, I, I dislike bad manners intensely. So that sometimes bothers me. But for the most part, I'd say, you know, I look at the glass half full. And um, if you do what you love and you love what you do, I think you are better positioned to be up you know, to find something that you truly love, right? Or a hobby that you truly love even. Like I loved art. So I like, you know, in my downtime, a lot of people love to play golf. A lot of people, as I know you do, a lot of people, you know, whatever you love to do, you know, it's, I think it gives you a boost, right? And then I think your last question was- Oh, there's something that keeps you up at night. 
what might it be? Yeah, I mean, the world at large is seemingly really um, more negative than I've seen it in a long time. And I just, you know, I, I just think we have to just plow through this incredible, incredibly difficult and divisive time and try to heal, you know, and it's our actions and what we do with it that are going to either, you know, repair or the world or it's going to make it worse. So I think building bridges is really important. And I think manners are really important. Yeah. And so, you know, so I think when, and I think being appreciative and grateful, if you're happen to be, you know, lucky enough to be in a safe place. So well said, so well said. Well, Richard, this was an absolute joy. Thank you so much for doing this. And, you were the best, uh, by the way. I just want to let you in. There's nobody who's more positive and funnier than you are. And you truly are Lord Matthew Shackner. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Richard Kirchenbaum, thank you so much. I'll see you soon, buddy. See you soon for lunch. Okay, take care. Bye. Chaptering and other structural elements for this podcast are powered by Snackable AI. With the ability to unify all content in one place, have AI distill the best insights instantaneously, and share them seamlessly, businesses on Snackable create more relevant value for their audiences faster than ever before. Learn more at snackable.ai.